Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Based on our word for the year, which is the word dwell. And we've been talking about this in some practical ways um, in how we can come back to dwelling in God's presence, dwelling, living our lives in a certain place. We looked at Psalm 91 uh, and all these things that we love to claim for ourselves, you know, uh, protection, provision, God's covering, God's salvation, God's deliverance. You know this psalm because it's a psalm that whenever the tragedy strikes or whenever the pandemic was going on or whenever you know, you're facing something hard, we like to lean into this, that God's going to protect us, he's going to provide for us, he's going to be everything that we need. And so we lean into that, but we've also discovered that uh, the promises of this chapter are dependent upon us meeting the condition that is stated at the beginning of this chapter, and this is what it says, we know this, he who dwells. It's the person that dwells. And we know that the word dwell, m- more commonly than not, is translated as live. It's the place that you live. Where do you keep going back to in your life? Where do you keep going back to? Just like your house, you keep going back there because that's where you dwell, that's where you live. In your life, spiritually, where do you keep going back to? When things get difficult, where do you go to? What is it that is your habit and your routine and you keep going back to this place in your life over and over and over again? That's where you're dwelling. And God wants you to be dwelling in some areas of your life in his presence. And, and his word talks about several things. And we're talking about those in, those, in this series. Um, in, in week one, we talked about the topic, disciples deny. And that denying ourselves is necessary. It's uncomfortable. But it's life-giving. It's life-giving. To, to, Jesus said to try to save your life, you'll actually lose it. But if you'll give up your life for my sake, you'll actually gain it. You'll actually find it. You'll actually discover what life is whenever you're willing to lay it down. Whenever you lay your life down to pick up, as Jesus would say, take up your cross and follow him. You want to be his disciple, you got to deny yourself. you got to take up your cross, you got to follow him. And today's day 14 of our fast. You know, we kind of introduced the fast in that message. And how are you doing on day 14? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Anybody been angry this week? Anybody been, come on, you still, you still fast in negative words? You know, that's, that becomes a little more difficult in week two of the fast. And this week, we're heading into week three. And I just want to kind of let you know, if you're, if you're following along kind of the plan that we set in place, I know a lot of you are doing uh, other things, and you're fasting as the Spirit has led you to fast during these 21 days. But in week one, we were cutting out, we were denying ourselves of caffeine and sugar and sweets and those things. And then this week, this is the last day of week two, uh, we've been denying ourselves, we've been adding a food element, you know, some kind of one, one meal a day or, or a Daniel fast or a partial fast or a full fast, you know, liquids only, things like that, that we've been denying ourselves of. And uh, this week, beginning tomorrow morning, we're going to add in, so we're going to continue those two things, those two elements of the fast. But this week, we're going to do what a lot of people commonly refer to as a soul fast. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to cut out some technology uh, we're going to cut out, and I know some of you have already been doing this. This is what the Lord called you to do, but, uh, but what am I talking about? I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about television. I'm talking about secular music. None of these things are necessarily bad inherently, uh, but how about we shut them off for a week and see how clearly God can speak to us when we shut out the distractions for a week and we turn off you know, the shows that we, come on, they'll be there next week when we're off the fast you can go back come on somebody you get to watch two episodes next week you'll be you'll be so excited you get to sit in front of the tv more but how about for this week come on don't tempt you don't tempt you 
How about for this week we, we turn off the, the, the things that we normally go to? You know, how many of you just mindlessly, you'd be sitting there, you get bored, you just click on Instagram. You just click on Facebook. You click on something. Let's, let's deny ourselves of those things and shut out some distractions and, and uh, let's allow the Lord to speak to us. Let's, come on, click on the Bible app instead of Facebook this week. Amen? So I'm believing that God's going to do something. And then next weekend, I'm, I'm so pumped, man, when we gather back next Sunday night. We're going to be here tonight for prayer from 6 to 7. And listen, you need to be here for prayer. Last week was, was amazing. It was awesome. We were praying for different topics and different, you know, uh, different leadership and things like that. And then we had a time we prayed together, and we've already been hearing testimonies of what God has been doing in people's lives already as we circled up and we prayed for people. So uh, you're going to want to be here for prayer tonight. One hour, promise we'll respect your time, but be here, be here at 6 o'clock and let's pray together. Let's join our faith together. Um, and then last week we talked about uh, walking with the Lord, that we've got to learn to walk before we run, and we've got to walk while we run. I don't have time to get into all that again. Uh, but you can go back on the podcast, or you can watch that and get that message. Today, um, I want to begin part three of this series in a couple of different places. I want to be in Hebrews chapter four, and then I'm going to be uh, in 2 Timothy three. And I'm actually going to give you, and we're not going to just be in those places. Today, I've got a lot of scripture that I'm going to give you, but I feel like I'm on an assignment today to, to help you and encourage you in a certain way. So uh, leading up to this verse, we're going to read in Hebrews four. The writer is referencing how the word of God has been preached. The word of God has been shared with these people. The word of God has been preached to them. And, and he references there, there's been disobedience to God's word. That there's been like, hey, we've heard it, but we're not really doing anything with it. And the word of God has been preached. And then we pick it up. And I want to I read this verse to kind of get us started today. It's Hebrews chapter 4. You're probably familiar with it. And it's verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active. And sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Can I tell you today, the word of God is not for those people back then. The word of God is for us people today. It was written to them, it was written for us. And we have the word of God, and the, the, the word of God speaks about itself. And says that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts even, even to separating the, the, the joints and marrow, soul and spirit. It goes that deep into us. And we have to understand that the word of God is for us today because I feel like there are some of us maybe that have fallen into the trap of feeling like when we read the Bible, we're reading a history book. That we're reading about some things that happened and we just need to know about the things that happened. And that's not necessarily the case. The Bible is alive. Like, when you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. This is, this is the Word of God. It's living and it's active. It's not just some information that we need to know. It's something that we need to do, as David said, I, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Like, I'm getting it in here. I'm not just reading words on a page or words on a screen. I'm getting it in here and it's that important. Can we, can we say it this way? When we talk about the word of God, the word of God will cut you, but in the best way. Amen. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it, will, it, it, like it divides. It divides. And it will cut you in the best way. And here's, here's what I felt like the Lord was impressing on my heart this last week. Some of us need to be cut. Some of us need to be cut. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it will divide soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and it will go to the deepest part of you. Judges the 
actions and the intentions of the heart. And some of us need to be cut by the word of God. Now, look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Another scripture you're probably familiar with, verse 16, says, All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. Come on, doesn't that sound fun? So that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. So the word of God will not only cut you in the best way, but it will also correct you and train you. It's what equips you to be able to do what God has called you to do. We need the word of God in our lives, and the entire thing is inspired by God himself. All of these people sat down and they wrote out these accounts of Jesus' life and they wrote these letters to the churches and they wrote these letters to certain people and they wrote these documents that, that told about all these things that God did in the Old Testament and the prophecies and all of these things that we read in Scripture. But every single bit of it was inspired by God. The entire thing was inspired by God. And we need it in our lives. And so for this service, for part three, I want to preach on this subject. Embrace the truth. Embrace the truth. Somebody say embrace the truth. What am I talking about when I say embrace the truth? We can put it this way. The place where I dwell is in the truth. In my life, I keep coming back to the truth. I make my decisions based on the truth. Come on, somebody. I live my life based on the truth. We need to embrace the truth. And in our culture, we hear phrases like this a lot of times. Come on, anybody ever heard this phrase? Live your truth. Can I just submit to you today that that might be the worst advice that you have ever received in the history of your lifetime? <laughs> to live your truth. You're telling me to live my truth. And this is, this is what I think we're talking about when we say things like that, well, whatever you think is right, just do it. Whatever you, listen, whatever you want to agree with, that must be the truth. That's your truth. Whatever, whatever makes you happy, if it makes you happy, just do it. It's your truth. And this, this is the mentality that we all get to decide what truth is for ourselves. That you get to decide what is truth for you, and I get to decide what is truth for me, and you get to decide what is truth for you, and we all just get to decide what truth is for us, and we get to live our own truth. And I came to tell somebody today that there actually is an absolute truth. There is a truth that is absolute truth. And here's what the cry of our heart should be, is that we don't try to change the truth, we embrace the truth. We don't try to change the truth to adapt to what we want to do. Because that's your flesh. And that's what we're killing for 21 days. We don't try to adapt things or change the truth. We actually embrace the truth that already exists. We're not called to live our truth. We're called to live the truth. And as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, God's word is the standard for our lives. Can I just ask you that question? Is God's word the standard for your life? The way that you live your life, the way that you operate, the things that you do, the things that you say, how you treat people, where you go, where you don't go, is God's word actually the standard for your life? Or do you have a tendency, maybe without even knowing it, to just be living your truth without knowing the truth and applying that to our lives? So I want to give you uh, three things as we go through this message. Here's point number one. It's knowing the truth sets us free. Knowing the truth 
sets us free. Here's what Jesus said. This is in John chapter 8. It says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, people that had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Come on, anybody ever heard that verse before? And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, when Jesus said that you will know the truth, and knowing the truth is what's going to set you free, the truth is what's going to set you free, I don't believe he was just talking about knowing him, he was talking about knowing the word. He was talking about knowing him. And we know from Scripture that Jesus is the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But there's also the written Word. There's also the God-inspired Word that we have access to on our phones and on our tablets and on our iPads and in paper form. And I think that Jesus is not only saying, you need to know me, but he's saying, you need to know my Word. And it's knowing the truth that sets us free. The truth of his word will set us free. And here's the reality. The truth can't set us free unless we know it. The reason that a lot of people are living their truth is because they don't know the truth. And we've taken a little bit here and a little bit here. Well, I heard this verse one time and I heard that verse one time, but we don't know the whole. We don't know what God's truth actually is. And so in essence, some of us might even be living our truth, not even knowing that we're living our truth instead of living in the truth because we don't know it it's it's the truth that you know that sets you free we've got to know it we've got to know it and this is why you know i i believe with all my heart i'd be doing you a disservice and i told you disclaimer at the beginning of this series and probably this entire year i'm gonna be all up in your business i'm gonna be all up in your business because this is what god's called us to do and i would be doing you a disservice if i did not get up here and tell you the truth like, you don't need to know what makes you feel good. God's word's not always necessarily going to make you feel good. You know why it doesn't make you feel good? Because it goes against your flesh. The things that you want to do, the things that you desire to do, the things that are sinful inside of you, come on, your fleshly desires, the word of God goes against it. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we're like, man, do I really have to embrace that? But it's not meant, like Jesus never said, hey, this, this is going to be easy. He said, no, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. He says, it's the truth that you know, knowing the truth, the truth is what's going to set you free. And what's interesting to me is right after Jesus makes this statement, these people respond, listen, these people respond with something exterior. So Jesus says, if, you know, remain in my word. Know the, and you're going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. And then they respond with something exterior. This is what they make comment of. They say, well, we're descendants of Abraham, so we've never been enslaved, and we don't need to be set free, which is funny to me right off the bat because they were enslaved for 400 years. It's like, well, our people, like, we're descendants of Abraham, and so we've never been enslaved. We, like, and you say we need to be set free. And Jesus is speaking something to them. And they respond with something on the outside. They respond with something exterior. Well, we don't need to be set free because we've never been enslaved. We've never been enslaved. But Jesus does what Jesus does best, and he focuses on the inside first. He says things like, "Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin, and you need to be set free." Like the person that commits sin, they are a slave to sin. And check this out: these people, I believe, they were in bondage and they didn't even realize it. 
And Jesus is trying to speak to the heart and say, hey, there's some things inside of you you need to be set free of. And when you know the truth, the truth is what's going to set you free. And they're like, well, we've never been enslaved. What do you mean we need to be set free? And Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. I'm not talking about exterior things. I'm talking about inside of you. You need to know the truth, and the truth is what's going to set you free. We can say it this way, your truth will wrap you up in bondage. The truth will set you free from bondage. When you, when you decide to live your truth, you'll eventually find, find yourself bound. It might be a process of getting there, but at some point you'll recognize, I'm I, living my truth, I'm not free. But the truth will actually set you free from bondage. Free from what? Free from slavery to sin, free from your flesh. Come on, somebody, free from you. Like free to live for God the way that God created you and designed you to. He wants to set you free. Knowing the truth sets us free. Here's point number two. We need to know the truth about you. Know the truth about you. This is, this is where I almost felt like, and then we're going to get into point three in just a moment. I almost felt like I was on an assignment today to remind you or tell you who you are. Because I think we have a tendency to forget. Weeks go by, days go by, months go by, and we somehow seem to forget who we actually are. And in our culture that seems to be struggling to know how God created them, we have to know the truth about who we are. Can we go there today? Some of y'all are uncomfortable right now. I can see it. You're tense. Like, what did I show up to? We got to know who we are. We have to know who we are. Not our truth, the truth. I want to I read about 10 verses that are the truth about me and about you. These, this is not an exhaustive list, but I think it's a great start. It's a great starting point to remind you of who you are. If you've been struggling to know who you are, you've been wondering who you are, you've been, you've been you know, distracted or you've started to believe something that may not be completely accurate about you, I just want to give you some verses what God's word says about you. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Listen, you and I were created in the image of God. God created everything else, and then when he got to us, he said, and if you read the text, he says, let us create man in our image. In other words, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's like there was a conversation going on, and God says, let us make man, we, everything else has been made. Now let us make man in our image. You were created in the image of God, and listen to me, God did not mess up on you. God did not do something wrong with you. God did not mess up and, and make a mistake on you. You can look in God's word all you want to see how, well, I just, I'm dysfunctional and maybe this is the way that I am and maybe I just don't understand. No, God did not mess up on you. God made you exactly how he wanted you. And you're created in the image of God. Psalm 139, one of our 
favorite verses, a couple of verses. For you created my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. I think that the problem that some of us face in our lives is like the psalmist says, and my soul knows it very well. I think that there are a lot of us that we don't know it very well. The problem we run into is that we don't know it. He says, you created me, you formed me, you, like everything you did is perfect. I am awesomely and wonderfully made and how well my soul knows it. Can I ask you today, does your soul know it well? Does your soul recognize that you were created in the image of God and that he did not make a mistake and that you are awesomely and wonderfully made in his image? It's who you are. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know what I get when I read the word of God? I get that you were created and I was created on purpose and for a purpose. And that God had set something before me to do before I was ever even born. That's purpose. That's somebody who knows you inside and out. That before you were ever even born or thought of on this earth, God had already laid out the plan for your life. This is exactly how I'm going to create them. This is exactly what I'm going to put inside of them. And this is what I've got for them to do in the earth while they're living there to help build my kingdom. This is what they're called to do. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And God has a way of causing all things to work together for the good of those who love him according to that purpose. God has a way. Come on, anybody ever experienced this in your life where you can look back now and you're like, God works some things together for my good. Come on, God works some things together for my good that other people had done to me and God worked it together for my good. God took some things that were out of my control that I had no control over and somehow he worked it all together for my good. God took, come on, God took some of the stupid decisions that I had made in my life when I was growing up or when I was coming up or before I became a Christian or even after. Come on, somebody. Can we be honest at church today? Even after I surrendered my life to Jesus and I said I was surrendering my life to Jesus and then I made some stupid choices. And God has a way of taking all of that and working it together for your good. Come on, that's a good God. That's a good God. And many of us, many of us, We need to just be reminded. We need to go back and look back at how God has been so faithful and think, whoo, there might have been, listen, you can't always, come on, some of your stupid decisions, you can't always avoid the consequences of your stupid decisions, but God can work everything together for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. Come on. And some of us need to go back and think, we need to go back and thank God. Like, thank you, God, that you worked that together for my good. Thank you, God, that you took that because you had a purpose set out for my life. And when I turned around and I started following after you, you just started piecing all these things together. And what I thought was a negative thing, you turned around for a positive thing. And what I thought was something that was going to devastate me, now you're using it to allow me to help other people. Like You just have a way of working all things together for my good. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Above all, Keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Woo! As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. 
listen, the truth about you is that you were created to love and to serve. Amen. And when we love other people, like when we love each other well, the world takes notice. When we love each other well, the world takes notice. And here's the thing. God has given you, come on, we already said it. God had a plan and a purpose for your life before you were ever even created. And so when you came into the, when you came into the world, you came into being, God was like, I already know what I've created them to do. And whenever you surrender your life to Jesus, you jump on the team. And now your life is no longer about finding Jesus. Your life is about serving him. And fulfilling the purpose and the calling that he has for your life. And we're called to serve one another. To serve one another. To use what we've been given. To use what we've been gifted to do. To serve one another. This is the reason why we've created opportunities as a church for you to serve. It's because it's what you are gifted and called to do. God's put things on the inside of you that, that, that you need to employ to serve the body of Christ. Come on, outreach opportunities, serving within the, within the local church opportunities. I mean, opportunities that will present themselves, that, that God has put a desire on the inside of your life to be a part of that thing or to make a difference in that way. You know, and even as a church, we're working to have some ways for people to be able to even jump in quicker to begin serving in certain areas in the church, you know. The whole idea that, man, we want you to be able to belong here. We want you to find a place where you can connect and you can, you can utilize and employ what God has put on the inside of you to serve one another, to serve the body. I love this verse. Come on, we all, we all probably know this one. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God, come on, this is a word for somebody. You just need to be reminded. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Some translations say fear. But of power and love and discipline. You have not been called to live in fear. You have not been called to live a timid life. God did not give you a spirit of fear. God did not give you a spirit of timidity. It says that you have a spirit of power, you have a spirit of love, and you have a spirit of discipline. Romans 8, 11, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. That's not a spirit of fear, and that's not a spirit of timidity. That's a spirit of power. That's a spirit of love. That's a spirit of discipline. Come on, you know you got a spirit of discipline inside of you? Come on, that's a word for somebody right there. You just, you're disciplined, and you don't even know it. Like, whoa, I'm just struggling to be disciplined. No, you need to tap into the spirit that's already on the inside of you because it's a spirit of discipline. You just need to let what's already been implanted on the inside of you start coming out of you. Yeah. It's a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of discipline. So what is the truth about us? We have been created in the image of God. We are awesomely and wonderfully made. We have a purpose for our life that came from God. God causes all things to work together for our good and for his glory. We are meant to be people who love and serve one another and the spirit that lives inside of us is one of power and love and discipline. It's a spirit of God. And listen, we need to stop believing lies about ourselves. Stop believing lies about you. You are who God says you are. You can do what God says you can do. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you as a believer. We need to stop believing lies about ourselves and we need to know the truth about who we are. And then here's the third thing. Know the truth about our lifestyle. 
when we receive salvation and we surrender our life to Jesus, we know this, according to Scripture, He begins to change us and transform us from the inside out. Come on, our word for last year of 2022 was transformed. It was that you are being transformed into the image of Christ. As a believer, you are on this journey of being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's who we are when we become a believer. But I want to read, uh, a, I want to read, well, we're going to get into several verses in this point as we end today. But I want to start in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who died, listen, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Should we, should we continue, I, I'm going to come for you for just a moment, okay? Put on your seatbelt. How shall, how shall we who have died to sin still be living in sin? And Paul makes the statement and he says, because God's grace, because here's the, here's the great news, God's grace covers it all. His blood covers it all. Listen, when you surrendered your life to him, it covers your past, present, and future sin. God knew you from the beginning, and he knows how it's all going to end, and he's covered it all by his blood, and you just step into it. You receive the free gift of salvation. But Paul says, because of that grace, should we just, should we just continue sinning and just living however we want to live because we make statements like, well, God's grace will cover it. Well, I'll, I'll just repent tomorrow. And Paul says, no, it should be far from that. Like, we, we shouldn't be living our lives taking advantage of the grace of God. Oh, the grace of God covers it all. But why would we take advantage of the grace that God has so freely given to set us free? Why would we take advantage of it? We can't use the grace of God as an excuse to just live however we want to live. And here's, here's what I think, what I believe. I believe that when we choose to do this, it shows that there is a misunderstanding of the grace of God. When we see the grace of God as an opportunity to just do what we want to do because now we're living in God's grace, we don't understand his grace. We have a misconception of what the grace of God is actually about. The grace of God, it sets you free from sin. It sets you free from your fleshly desires. It sets you free from all of these things so that you're free to live for God. So you're, fr you're free to fulfill the purpose and live in freedom in your life. Come on. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. In fact, look at that. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore... Somebody say, therefore. Keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, it was for freedom that Christ set you free, so don't go back. Stop going back. Live, choose every day I'm going to live in the freedom that God has given me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you who were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not... For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Come on, did you know this was in your Bible? Like you have, you were called to freedom, but do not turn your freedom 
into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. If we have understood and received the grace of God, we're a new creation. But our lifestyle from that point forward matters. When you receive Jesus into your life, the free gift of salvation, you're saved. Come on, the Bible would teach us that you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That you are made new, that the old is gone and the new has come. But how you live your life actually does matter. The way that you operate from that moment forward really does make a difference, not only for you, but it makes a difference for the people around you. Jesus even talked about people being able to look in and see how you operate and how you live your life, and that in turn they will see Jesus through that. So the way that we live, it really does matter. And the truth about the lifestyle that we're called to as followers of Jesus is that we're to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I want to jump into some familiar uh, verses, but this is in Galatians chapter 5 toward the end. I want to start in verse 16. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Come on, that's quite the list, isn't it? It's like, come on, Paul. And then he gets to the, he gets to the end of it, and he's like, I, maybe, I, I'm like, maybe he didn't have any more room on the, on the scroll or something, you know, he's like, and things like these, you know, like, Anything like this, you know, that's, that's, that's on the list too. And look at what he says. And things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, can I get in your business for a moment because I love you? If... You've been saved and you've been made new. And maybe this doesn't apply to everybody, but I think we all have a tendency. If you've been saved, if you've been made new, if you've been made alive in Christ, why do you continue to do these things? If you surrendered your life to Jesus, and you would say, today I'm a Christian, which means Christ-like. And you're being transformed into the image of Christ. And you've been made alive. And as Paul says, we've crucified. We've been crucified with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in us. Why do we still do these things? Things like sexual immorality which could be a plethora of things. And we don't have time for all that today. But why, why, are we still, why are we still living there? Indecent behavior? Outbursts of anger? Selfish ambition? Drunkenness? And all the other things, I'm going to do like Paul, and all the other things listed in Galatians 5? And things like these? 
If we've been made alive in Christ, why, why are we still living in this place? Why do, we, why do we still struggle with doing this? And Paul, he even warns us that people who practice these things, he says, I've, I've already forewarned you and I'll forewarn you again that people that practice these things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And can I submit to you today that as a follower of Jesus, listen to me, that's not who you are. As a follower of Jesus, that's not who you are. As a Christian, that's not who you are. As somebody who is born again, that's not who you are. We need to crucify our fleshly desires, and we need to submit our lives to Jesus, and we need to make him Lord of our lives. And the answer is found back in verse 16. I want to go all the way back to Galatians 5, 16, what we read at the beginning of that passage. He says, but I say, look at what he says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So I would submit to you that the reason why we still struggle with the flesh is because we are not walking by the Spirit. We have not, we have not fully submitted ourselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we're still carrying out things of the flesh because we're not walking according to the Spirit. In, our, in the original language, the word walk is a word that means to conduct your life or live. We talked about this a little bit last week. It's conducting your life according to the Spirit of God. I, I heard it this way and I wrote it down this way. We cannot work harder to overcome our fleshly desires. We have to submit to a new master. Some of us have been working for years to try to tame ourselves. And we just haven't ever submitted to Jesus as Lord. We want him as Savior, but we've never made him Lord. We've never said, you're in control of my life. You're in control of my life. And I'm going to walk according to your leading and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not about working harder to overcome our fleshly desires. You don't need to walk out of here today and think, I got to work harder this year. I got to start slapping myself on the hand whenever I start, you know. It, no, you just need to submit to something different. You need to submit to someone different in 2023. Walking by the Spirit keeps us from carrying out the desires of our flesh. Paul says in, in Romans 7, and you may have heard this before, that he does what he doesn't want to do and doesn't do what he wants to do. Come on, anybody read that verse before? Anybody ever thought to yourself when you read that verse, you're like, me and Paul, were a lot alike. <laughs> I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do, and woe is me. A wretched man or woman I am. But I love what, what Paul says at the end of that. If you keep on reading, he asks, and who can save me from this? And then he, tell, and then he answers his own question. Jesus. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do, and like, I'm terrible at this. Who can save me for this? Jesus. Who can help me get this straight in my life following Jesus? Walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh. 
It's no longer, I'm no longer going to submit to my fleshly desires. Now I'm submitting my life to be led by the Holy Spirit because I'm a new creation. And the Spirit of God lives in me. I'm going to bring the worship team back. Look at what comes next in Galatians 5, the next three verses, starting in verse 22. But he goes through this entire list. And then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And look at what he says in verse 24. Now those who belong to, G- to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And here's what I feel like we need to understand and know about our lifestyle or our choosing to live by the flesh or by the Spirit. The first list that we read, the fleshly desires, the works of the flesh, however you want to word it, it will never satisfy you and it will never lead you to where you really want to be. And you know this. The works of the flesh, what Paul is talking about here, they always lead to regret. It always leads to regret. It never leads us where we want to be. It never, it never leaves us five years down the road thinking, I'm so glad that I did that. I'm so glad that I lived that way. It always leaves us, if I had done that differently. If I had lived my life differently. If I, had, if I had operated differently, if I had spoken differently, if I had, if I had followed something different than what was going on inside of me and my fleshly desires. Paul would tell us, you know, in Romans, he says that the wages of sin, it's death. And while, while our sin might be covered by the blood of Jesus, why would we choose to take advantage of the grace of God? But the second list of the fruit that the Spirit produces It not only satisfies and benefits you, but it benefits those around you. It helps you be a light when joy and patience and peace and kindness and gentleness and self-control, when that's what's being produced in your life and you're allowing it because you're being led by the Holy Spirit. It not only benefits you, but it benefits other people around you when you're being led by the Spirit. So what's the truth that that you and I need to know about our lifestyle, I think it's this, that you can choose to be led by the flesh or by the Spirit, and the results and or the consequences are very different. They're very different. And God wants what's best for you. God wants what's best for you. To be led by the Spirit, to live according to that. And I want us to choose today to fully submit our lives to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We stand to your feet this morning. Embrace the truth. Embrace the truth. I know there's no way in a message like this to have this exhaustive message of everything that the Bible says about everything and what the truth actually is. And here's the reality, okay? What I don't want you walking out of here today thinking is I need to work harder and that this is a legalistic thing. No, this is a grace of God thing. That the grace of God has set you free so that you can live free. You can serve Him and worship Him and be in His purpose and His will for your life and you can live free. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. So don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Use it as an opportunity to go deeper in the things of God, to follow Him closer, 
to say to yourself, come on, some of us, we have to tell, we've been doing it for 14 days. Some of us, we just had to tell ourselves every day, flesh, no, no. Today I'm going to be led by the Spirit. Today I'm going to lean in. Today I'm going to draw closer to my Heavenly Father. I'm not going to be led by my fleshly desires. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. There is an absolute truth. It's knowing that truth that sets us free. We need to embrace the truth about who we are, and we will, we will submit our lives to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I believe that it will make all the difference. It'll make all the difference. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'll go ahead and bring the prayer team down this morning. We want to have an opportunity for you to receive prayer if you need prayer for anything in your life. Anything in your life. Come on, you need healing in your life. There are some people down here at the front that want to agree with you, want to believe with you. If you need encouragement today, maybe you've been praying for something for months or years, and I believe that God wants to stir your faith again today. So in a moment, I'm going to give an invitation, and we're going to sing one final worship song. But if you need prayer for anything in your life, you can come down and receive prayer. But I want to pray over you before we do that. And I'm just going to believe that, um, that there are going to be people today in this room, maybe you're watching online right now, that are going to say, you know what, it's time to embrace the truth. It's time to be reminded about who I am in Christ. It's time to be reminded about what the grace of God gives me and allows me to step into, this freedom that the Lord wants me living my life in and operating in and being a light, being salt in the earth. So Lord, right now, all across this room, we thank you. We thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into us. Not because you want to hurt us, but because you, you want us to be like you. You're trying to help us. You're trying to lead us. You're trying to show us who we really are. So Lord, I pray that we would be people that would allow your word to pierce our hearts and change us from the inside out. Lord, that we would not be people that live according to our fleshly desires, but that we would be people who live walking by your spirit, listening for your voice. That we would crucify our fleshly desires. That it would no longer be us who is living, but the life that we live would be because of you inside of us and you living through us. So God, help us to embrace, not try to change, not try to work harder, not try to, to do it in our own strength, but Lord, you've called us to lean into you. It's not by might and it's not by power, it's by your spirit. So we lean into you today. And Holy Spirit, I pray if there's any person today who needs prayer for anything as we sing this song, that you would draw them for prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.
you guys so much. 
Here's the great news, though. You have a Heavenly Father who loves you way more than I do. <laughs> Amen. I pray that your faith would be stirred. Come on, it's not, about, it's not about working harder at it. It's where you're leaning into. What do you keep going back to? Let's keep going back to His truth. Let's keep going back to His best for our life. Let's keep going back to the purpose that He's called us to. Let's keep going back to His presence. Come on, you can get in His presence Monday through Saturday. I know we love to join together and, and be in His presence together here, and that's awesome. But come on, tomorrow morning, you can get in His presence. Come on, let's learn how to dwell in the presence of the Lord. Amen. We just lift your hands. God, we thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for guiding us and leading us. Lord, I pray that we would be people that would lean into you, follow after you, deny ourselves, and follow after you. God, help us to live in the freedom that you died to provide for us. Lord, help us to be about the things that you are about, to be led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, every single day as we wake up, I pray that our prayer would be, Lord, lead me today. Draw me closer to you today. Help me be more like you today. And Lord, I pray you give us wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard. Give us courage to do it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, and everybody said amen and amen. God bless you guys. Join us back here tonight at 6 o'clock for a night of prayer. We love you. We hope you have a great Sunday afternoon.